Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Join us today as we talk to international healer, author, and speaker, Tammy Billups. The original conversation was had within our membership around the book that we discussed in our book club, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions. In this episode, we talk about core wounds, how our animals mirror us, the weight they choose to carry, and finding peace in grief and making those big decisions. We definitely recommend you get a copy of that book today. Enjoy the chat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a super special guest, Tammy Billups. Tammy, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. We are super stoked to have you. Um, For those of... So for people listening who might not know you, would you mind just explaining a little bit about um, what you do and kind of what you're currently up to? Sure. So I would say that the at the heart of my work is that I help people heal through their animal. How's that? It, so I, I love this animal-human relationship and kind of looking at the multi-levels of why we're together and how we're evolving and growing and learning to love at deeper levels than ever before. And that kind of came together early in my practice, actually. I thought I was just going to be working on people. And then the animal facet came in and I was just fascinated by seeing the mirroring that was happening at a soul level and finding out that we're orchestrating at a soul level why we come together so for our mutual growth so i i've been doing this for 23 years and and as many of you probably know i've written a few books and i have master classes based on the contents of each of the books and i think that's that's the best overview i can give (laughs) that's awesome amber and i like fully resonate with that like we um that is what we focus on too. It's just insane. Like the mirroring that comes from animal and person and how our emotions and our belief systems are tied so deeply into them. Um, and so with our membership, we just read Tammy's book. For those of you that don't know, um, she wrote a book called soul healing with her animal companions, this book right here. And we loved it. Um, I've read it twice actually. And Amber took so many notes. They're all over her book and in her notebook and everything. Um, it's an amazing book if you haven't read it. And we are so curious because you have, um, you you have these core wounds that you talk about and we're just so curious how you came up with those specific core wounds like how did they show up in your experience because they really do resonate with so many like like the needy one and um the scared one like those are so valid but how did you put to words those <laughs> well just so you'll know, I mean, these five core emotional wounds, that's, I don't own the knowing about just the five core emotional wounds. Barbara Ann Brennan wrote the book Light Emerging about the five core emotional wounds within people. And there are many other five personality, you know, the five personality things, you know, there's a lot of different books about these five core emotional wounds within people. And that was in my four year certification training is learning about the energy dynamics and the different levels and how to read these uh, defense patterns that are in people's energy fields and, and how to tell what's abandonment, what's betrayal, whatever. So, so I was trained in that, certified in that. It was just surprising to me to also find out that when I started working on animals, that they hold these five core emotional wounds as well and that they're always mirroring it within their people. So I, I started then making lots of good notes and working with more and more animals and really determining, okay, here's the profile from what I see. 
you know, for those that are mirroring the abandonment, these are the traits within animals that I see show up more than, um, you know, more than others. And that's why I thought it was just so important to write about. In fact, I'm writing another current, my next book is about these five core emotional wounds, solely about them and, and how they, you know, the traits within people as well, and then how they work together to heal faster. So, uh, so the profile names, all of that I came up with, but those five core emotional wounds are the training really came through my certification program at the Center for Integrative Therapy. Yeah, it's reading through the book for like the first half. I just kept going, oh my gosh, I, it was like just confirmation, you know, it just felt like, oh my gosh, this, and there's a lot of things that like me and Shaylee will talk about and we're like, oh, I don't know, like this feels right. And this feels right. And we have a lot of people talking about how do you trust yourself and how do you get like the knowings? And then it's so fun to find someone speaking those and the validation that you get where you're like, okay, (laughs) we're not, you know, the second half of your book, I felt like filled in so many holes for me that I had always sort of wondered about. Um, for sure, the soul contracts piece. And I don't know how I can't now I have the two books like smashed together. And I don't know how far you went into it in this first book. But can you talk a little bit about that? I, you know, how we call in the perfectly aligned (laughs) for the lessons and the, you know, the healings that we get uh, about your experience with that? Well, hopefully it won't be too woo woo. Um, no, we can never your... go to woo woo. Oh, okay. No all such the thing. Woo. <laughs> no such thing. Go all the woo. <laughs> okay. Because what I began discovering and I started seeing these, and this is really in the second book, these soul chat rooms where your higher selves, where your animal's higher self and your higher self would be in them. And I started seeing more of the, you know, the higher selves canoodling per se, and, and beginning to have an awareness that, oh my gosh, we are orchestrating at a soul level, which animals are coming to us. And more than likely we are partnering with similar souls, animals time and time and time again. And that's how it's easier to recognize them when they come into our lives or sometimes they recognize us a little bit sooner than we recognize them. And sometimes it's the other way around because we partnered with them before for our growth, just like the people that come in our lives. You know, there's this recognition we're we're teaming up with certain souls to grow. So we end up having these, you know, we create these soul contracts for things that we want to learn when we are together. And of course, there's going to be these emotional wound contracts that, you know, we talked about earlier. That's probably the number one thing that, especially people that get emotionally close to their animals, there's going to be more and more of these contracts in place and especially the emotional wound ones to go deeper into it. And likely those people um, have found that it's maybe safer to open up to an animal than perhaps even to people. And when that happens, then we're going to be teaming up with our animals uh, on many, many different levels for our mutual evolution. That's such an amazing perspective. I love the way that you put that in such a digestible, (laughs) a digestible manner, because I feel like there's almost like this mysticism around reincarnation and, you know, but then everyone's okay with saying, oh, well, he's an old soul or she's an old soul, but it kind of stops there, you know? So it's really cool to hear that from your perspective of we have these experiences over and over. And I know for um, me personally, my horse Kip, I've had him for 10 years now, and I got him thinking that we were going to do certain things together. And I ended up becoming an animal communicator. And now that's what I do as a profession. And it was just, and he literally told me before I knew what soul contracts were, he was just like, I did not come for you to learn how to ride me or jump me or whatever. Like this is a entirely different thing. And it was so fascinating to me at the time and frustrating. I cried many tears because I wanted to ride him, damn it. Um, and I was, you know, like it, it's so interesting because he was, he had to be so resilient with those lessons. And I'm learning that as an animal communicator that these animals are so 
resilient and deliberate with their lesson for their people. Like the person will keep hitting a wall and hitting a wall or, um, or going through these same things over and over again, even with the same animal in the same lifetime, because they are so deliberate in teaching that lesson. Absolutely. And we are too, you know, it's just easier to, to identify it when we see it so easily mirroring back to us through an animal's behavior or, or through an ailment that they have or, or something they're resisting, you know, that, that once we get to the higher purpose, of their actions, then uh, then it's easier to see that. But they, we are actually so deliberate as well, if that makes any sense, in what we're looking to grow and learn. Or, or we wouldn't have contracted with these animals to act the way that they do. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. We have a question in the chat, and it says. In a family, how does the soul contract with family pets work? Is the animal here to contract with the whole family or just one specific member, or does it just depend? We are four people in our family and have had many, many pets. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for your question. Um, you know, yes, I, I get this question a lot. Yes, when, when there's a lot of people in the household, there's going to be different contracts. Hi, it's good to see you. There's going to be different contracts with each person and obviously you're going to be able to see that because people within the same family are going to sometimes describe the animal differently even somebody may say oh he's so stubborn or and the other one's like no he's so you know compassionate or whatever and they're going to still be mirroring the people and there's always going to be different contracts with each person and there will probably be more contracts with those that, um, again, they're, they're more emotionally close with and that are willing to take those deep dives with the animal. I got a little dose of that the other day because I talked to um, a horse who belonged to a woman and he had, you know, all these things to say about her, his perceptions, their experience and whatever. And then, um, I talked to the man a couple days later and for some reason I didn't associate that it was the same horse and the horse was totally different. I mean, I was like, oh my God, he was like, cause I was describing his personality and the person was like, well, that's not what he told my wife. Like, that's not what he said the other day. I thought he liked this. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I reading the right horse? But that makes so much sense. Cause they just have different contracts. And how does that work with, um, how does that work with, with non-physical animals? Like I know each animal has their own inner guidance system and I feel like non-physical animals are, they are a continuation of us. I don't know how else to explain it, but uh, non-physical animals come into my communication sessions all the time. And in your work, like, do you see a lot of reincarnation or do you feel that there is a non-physical animal still showing up as guides for people with their current animals? Um, yes, I do see that a lot. I mean, frequently I'll get contacted because uh, the person is in such a state of grief or loss, or maybe they they have a new animal that's just come in their life. Um, and very frequently the animal that's transitioned and is on the other side, you know, comes in and takes claim to the fame of bringing that new animal into their life. And their relationship is just, it's just different. You know, the relationship continues. There's still that heart cord that's connecting both of them that will always be there. And it just it just moves into a different different type of relationship and they'll pop in at just the right time. So and and I and I want to note that for because I'm assuming with this community that you might often see maybe signs of your animal that's on the other side that kind of either pops in one of your current animals, or maybe you just see them out of the corner of your eye, or you have, you see that butterfly or whatever it is that you, you connect with that animal. And the thing of it is that I want you to take that deeper when those moments happen and say, well, well, what was I thinking in that moment? Because for them to show up, they're showing up to shift you out of something. They're showing up to lift you and lift your vibration to help you around something that's been possibly bothering you in some way. They show up at just the right times. There's no coincidence with the times. 
So when you're, I would just want to see them. People would say, I don't need to see a sign. I need to know that they're on the other side. I need to, will they let me know they haven't come in my dreams yet? And I say, let go of the timing, let go of the outcome as much as possible. You get in that lovely state of non-attachment for, for when that happens. And then know that when it does, it's because the timing is exactly right and perfect for something that you're going through in that moment. And you are part of your soul as part of orchestrating those visitations. Yeah, it's so interesting because there were so many things around a horse that was super special. He was a mini that that just transitioned not that long ago. And I realized one of the sessions I was going to hold was the first one since he transitioned. And when I was trying to make this the big decision that we also want to talk about um, around like when it was time. And I knew he had told me and I'm I'd say not fluid in the animal communication, or I'm just not trusting it totally yet. And that's what Shaylee's in my life for. But I did get a very clear message from him about a week before where he said, this is going to be my last session. And I was like, and, you know, I was like, he's healthy. I'm hearing things. I'm making things up. And, um, and when his health declined so quickly, I had found a bird that had, um, had been left and it was just the feathers, but it was this bird that like I had never seen out here before. It was bright orange feathers, polka dots on it. It was just like wild. And what I kept hearing and feeling around it was like, you have to trust yourself. You're giving your power away to the vets when you know it is time for me to go before it gets to the point where, you know, I, I don't want to have to get to that point, you know? And, and so that was the real message. And we went out to do a practice run before my last live event. And well, I was sitting there with the new little herd that we've got going and I, and I was with two of my clients and I like look up and this feather comes floating out of nowhere <laughs> and literally a, a swallow comes and tries to like catch it. And it, it was like, I feel like it was in Forrest Gump when the white feather like strategically like landed and it was one of those feathers. And so those moments oh. are so wild. So to have the pause and go, holy crap, like to pay attention to those things. Yes so powerful, um, which then leads me to what those decisions and calling your power back in those moments. Like, I feel like a question that comes up a lot for me. Um, and then I know for a lot of other people is that the trusting yourself, the intuition, the, you know, the guidance around like, is this, you know, that was so clear to me because you couldn't have confused that for anything else because it was so obvious and my animals I think know that about me so they're like we have to send a bird that has orange veins in its feathers and polka dots because she will second guess whether or not but how do you you know what do you say to people who are you know trying to figure out that space of trusting themselves and knowing when it's that or you know doubting themselves that type of stuff well first that's really normal because it's it's the most difficult decision that we'll ever make as animal lovers and guardians. It's 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 often never easy, you know. Um, so I think that this is one of the big growth lessons that we all have as animal guardians to to know that the pain will not be too much for us. And and I also would like to add that often your animals are saying your timing is my timing um what's right for you is right for me but um but that doesn't help us so i always say um give me a really clear sign give me a really clear sign and let it be known so that i don't have any doubt about it and then i can keep my power in that moment because it's, it won't matter me. Somebody can tell you all day long. And I think I wrote in the first book how, how I've had two different intuitives tell me that it was my animal's time when I went, what? And after crying all night long and getting up, you know, both of those animals where I was told that lived 12, 13, 14, maybe more than that, more years. So, but I knew, I knew though, I never blamed her and she felt awful. I mean, I really, I really feel badly for her because she had a situation where um, somebody listened to her and they did it and the animal fought, 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 fought. And having that visual in my mind, I knew without a doubt that I would never play God with my clients, that the whole 
lesson is around empowering ourselves and trusting our heart and our heart connection with our animals. No one knows your animals better than you do. No one does. So you want to drop to your heart. You want to trust the process and know that it will come together in the right and perfect timing. It's not easy. I'm not saying that it's easy, but hold the vision and get in that parent part of yourself, that adult part of yourself. That's that when that fear comes up that you're you're self-soothing and you're consoling that part saying it's going to be OK. We're going to know when it's the right time. They're not going to suffer. You know, yes, I know you don't want them to suffer. Yes, I know I don't want to suffer either with the loss that you start having those in, internal conversations with yourself. To, to parent yourself through that very difficult time and trust that it can, that that process of that last, whatever it is, week, month, year, whatever the wind down time is, that there can be many beautiful moments during that time and sacred gifts that we don't want to miss. I don't want you to miss them because we're in fear, you know? So it's like identifying the fear, you know, talking to the fears, I know you're scared. I get it. You know, we're going to be okay though. We're going to get through this for Toby. You know, we're going to hold that and honor, you know, Toby in that way so that we can um, give him a wonderful send off that he deserves for all the love that he shared with us. It's like even, even saying that, can't you feel the strength in that, that knowing of that personal, you know, empower center opening up and saying, yes, it won't be too much for me. We can stay in this adult place more often during that time. Amber and I have been talking a lot about what we want to label ourselves or, or what we're doing. And our mantra for the year is like helping people call their power back because we really do give our our power away when we put decisions in other people's hands and not just with the crossing over of an animal, but in like so many different scenarios. And, um, I'm, I feel like this ties in so deeply with, um, uh, you call it the power of like unconditional love and you like eloquently put it in your book. I think, um, the inner dynamics of overloving, And I love that, like, um, you know, codependency, um, where we just like over love our animals. I feel like, um, there are, I know in my communication practice, I speak with a lot of individuals who almost need their animals to need them. Like there's this space of, um, calling your power back and finding that balance between like, yes, I want to take care of you. I want to listen to you. Um, I, you know, I don't want you to suffer all of those things, but also, knowing that your animal has their inner guidance system and their own path and like releasing some responsibility from the way that they feel and the things that they're doing in their body. And I'm just curious, um, when it comes to just giving the power back to the animal, do you feel like, is that one in the same, like just recognizing how you're feeling and taking that decision-making back or are there, more ways where we can give our power back to our animals, or I'm sorry, give the animals power back to them? Mm, that's a great question. And I think that it's an important, oh, is my, is my, am I, can you see me okay? I got a little screen that popped up and said my internet connection was. Nope, you're okay. perfect. Okay, good. So what was the question? <laughs> no, the question was, okay, the power, yes. So, so I love how you stated that. And, and I, and I think that, um, I want to add one more thing to what I said, because I think this ties into it so much of why we're not giving the power back to our animals is because we're scared. And so I will usually guide clients to begin grieving, just cry. I'll say, just cry, just cry as if you've lost them today, because that, that will release our fears. Crying is beautiful healing release. And I remember the first time I said that to a client kind of off the cuff, um, who had just received news that was going to pass, um, at any moment because there wasn't going to be another way around this and blah, blah, blah. And that's why she 
being in so much fear. And I said, just cry because you're holding Lily in that space. And so she did, she, she started grieving her. And then Lily lived three more years beyond that. And she was already, I think 12 or 13 at the time, which was amazing. And so I think trusting that we can move out of our fear enough that we can then receive those messages from our animals for what they want more easily because we're clearer then, we're not in fear or as much fear. We're not gonna be fearless in those situations because we love them so much. But you can, the clearer you are, the more easily you have that heart connection, that cord between you and your animal, you're gonna receive those messages for what it is that they desire. You'll just get the, you'll instinctively have those knowings. You'll say, you know, I think they wanna pass on their own. That's usually them talking to you. When you have those knowings that come through about feeling little internal nudges or guidance around what you want for them, a lot of the time, that's coming from their soul as well. And so it's beginning to trust that process. You can always drop to your heart to, you know, close your eyes and imagine that cord, that energetic cord between your hearts, invite their soul in in front of you, ask them a question in that moment. Even though it's a difficult question that we may not want to hear them say, yes, I'm ready, because we'll avoid doing it. So if you find that you, you know, you want to do this exercise and then you never have time to do it, that's, that's the avoidance that, that kind of pops in because we don't, we we're afraid of the answer, but it could be an answer that is even better than what we're thinking it's going to be. And it's just trusting, you know, I've given, I've given, I think a lot of examples in my books on, you know, I, I think, I think I gave the one of Kahlua in the first book, my first kitty where she had colon cancer and she was pretty much sleeping around the clock and she was still kind of getting around but but not having any quality of life and i she was laying on my lap while i was talking to a friend and i said it's not like she had, i was telling my friend it's not like she's in the corner of the closet and she's not coming out and i don't even know why i said that she'd never been in the closet before but when i got home from work that day she was in the corner of the closet and i couldn't get her to come out that's a sign and it's, so it's waking up to, you know, then we question it, of course, well, is it really a sign? Would you really do that? So, you know, because we don't want to make the wrong choice. It's too big of a decision. But once you know, okay, yes, she's never been in that closet before. You know, that was a, that was a sign. That was her giving me permission. And I've had that type of permission every single time. So I, I wait until I get it. And I always say that if, you, if you're not sure, you wait until you are. You wait until you are. And sometimes that can come through another person, this guidance as well. Can, can you know, you'll hear something that somebody says, that doesn't mean you're giving them your power. You're just something that resonates and, and rings, you know, true in your heart for them. So I think those are the ways that you give your animals their power back or what they want of getting really clear ourselves and fine-tuning that connection so we can listen to them more easily and see the higher purposeful you know uh, decisions that can come through their actions yeah i think one of the most powerful things that i got from the book i, I don't know if you guys can hear my dog she's snoring so loud <laughs> she's enjoying this conversation very much uh, was my I want to say one of my go-to things that I'm constantly having to keep in my awareness and to keep under, under control is my sense of responsibility um, that I've sort of had to manage. And I do know where it came from. And so I would find that I would start to feel guilty that I have these horses that are co-facilitating sessions with me. And, and I, I know that there have been times when they would take stuff on and I knew exactly what it was from. And it was like, oh, you guys, <laughs> you know, and when you had said as a reminder, and even for the animals that you were speaking about, like the, the wild animals in captivity or the animals that are one of the really powerful stories was, I hope this was the first book, was the um, the dog that had been hit by a car and then the mama dog that was rescued because of it. Um, and then how that mm -hmm. energy was transferred and because their souls chose 
So I'm constantly having to remind myself, I'm not going to take away from their power, their decisions to be here for what they've chose to do for me, with me, and any other circumstance beyond my own personal one, where I'm constantly reminding myself, no, I'm not going to, um, it's almost, it feels like it's taking the honor away of their choices by feeling bad or feeling guilty and feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that you guys chose to be here with me. Like, you know, so I feel like such a powerful thing came through with those few stories where I was like, oh wait, you chose and I can just be grateful instead of guilty. So thank you for that part. (laughs) You're welcome. And, and I think you bring up a really powerful point that I think all of us as animal guardians go through that. We don't want our, you know, we don't want these loving beings to be carrying anything for us or anything for anyone else. And that's a really normal reaction from an empathic soul, you know, that you don't want them to suffer at all. And, and, and it is difficult to kind of pull yourself out of that and say, okay, yes, they signed up for this as well. You know, I'm probably carrying all kinds of stuff for everybody else too, you know, so let me, let me just, model the behavior that I want within them. And that's where we go with that is we then pivot and say, okay, well, I'm going to do really good clearing and I'm going to, you know, like me at the end of a long day, I'm going for a run or I'm meditating or I'm doing something to move the energy out that I've been exposed to all day long. And they will instinctively do that so much better, you know, than us. And, and that guilt thing is, is, um, it's, I mean, so many people have that, empathic souls have that. And so it's just catching yourself in the middle of it and saying, nope, not going to go there today. Yeah, I think you answered my question because the follow-up was really like, how do we support them in the clearing of, and then you saying, oh, you have to. <laughs> okay. Because then I feel like, right, so if I'm not being really disciplined about having one of those days and being like, okay, what's not mine right now? Can I cut the cords? Can I clear that? And then having that, you know, trickle on to being clearing it so they don't have to take it from me as well. And then also being an example of that actually really makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And horses actually, out of all of the domesticated animals that are companion animals, they move it out even faster because they are living on mother earth mm-hmm. and, and they're getting those beautiful electrons every single day. And that really helps them move out the energy. It's a little harder, you know, it takes a little bit longer for those that are inside only animals. Um, but that's why we can try to provide as many things as we can tools for them to, to utilize as well, to move out their stuff. But, us doing it is going to be the number one thing that's going to help them the most. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) We already knew that was the answer somewhere. (laughs) Um, We have a question about that. See, when they take on those feelings, is that part of those animals, higher self uh, elevation, kind of like they're also learning from those feelings? Hi, Kelly. Um, and uh, I don't see it. Yes, there's Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Um, and thank you for your question. Yeah, I mean, they're evolving as well. They came to serve, you know, we came to serve. They did as well. So, so I do think that that's, a, you know, it's like letting them do what they came to do. You know, why would we want to block them from serving in the manner that they did? You know, in those first, you know, three animals that I have carried a lot of stuff for me. And I have done a lot of work around releasing the guilt I had of just how much they carried for me all those years because, but they helped me to get to that awakening point. I mean, that's so brave of them. You know, I always say they must have gotten high fives on the other side when they crossed of saying, yeah, look what you did for her. And it, and it is interesting, isn't it? They were caring so much at the physical level for me. And then as soon as, you know, it's like I woke up to, you know, my inner journey, they all three transitioned at six, eight and 11 or 12 years of age, you know, just went, okay, this is what we came to do. It's, it's easy to look back and see how that happened. It wasn't easy in living through it. Um, but they, they, they have their soul missions and they're absolutely evolving as well. 
It's a good thing that animals have a sense of humor also, because, you know, I think if they didn't have a sense of humor, it would be harder to carry some of that stuff, you know, cause they do take on big responsibilities. And, um, my horse that I was talking about earlier, anytime he, I start getting into like that guilty feeling, or I start making the connections and I'm like, Oh man, I really wish I would have known this then or something. He has this, um, I call it his mantra. Cause he always says, don't question it. Just love it. Like just appreciate it. And so anytime I start feeling guilty, I'm like, don't question it. Just love it. Like learn to know that this is coming from him, but I don't know why this question is coming up for me. Um, I guess just because I haven't really been able to converse with other, uh, communicators and, and healers in this way, but do you find as a collective that most horses enjoy being ridden or would prefer not to be ridden because I find, and I don't know if it's just what I'm attracting into my experience. And I, I know I have my own beliefs about it right now with my horses, but I'm finding that a lot of my clients are not riding their horses and the horses are preferring not to be ridden. And I don't know if that's just the space I'm in, or if you notice something with the collective equines mm -hmm. around like the idea of being ridden in general. Mm, I really, I really haven't noticed that in the same manner that you have. Um, I, what I have noticed uh, with clients is some of them being disappointed that their animals did not want to be ridden because they were looking for that type of kind of avatar experience, you know, where you get up on the horse and you feel that bond and some horses really do love it. So I think we're just getting to this really healthy point with horses in that we are at least asking the question, you know, do you want to be ridden? Is this the type of experience that you wanted to have? What type of partnership did we sign up for? And being open to see where that will go. And, you know, so many other circles don't, don't even ask. And sometimes they'll, you know, they will get some type of physical thing that happens where the vet says like, you can't be ridden, you know? And, and, and I must add that they have a higher, there is a higher picture, you know, they have a soul path. And sometimes I'm thinking of one, one particular client in which something happened to her horse's leg. And I mean, she was devastated because she wanted to have that type of bond and that relationship, trying to duplicate an earlier relationship that she had with another horse. And ultimately that horse, um, you know, she, she walked that fine line of do you, you know, find a new place for the horse and is there another person for the horse? So, you know, and sometimes the animal is trying to get to another place because we can do so much self-judgment around it's our animal. I would never give up my animal. I would never do this. Well, I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in a lot of different relationships. You know, it's not just one, you know, it's not, I've lived in a lot of different homes. And so, you know, we want to have different experiences. So some animals are, they will consistently, you know, hear people say if that dog bites one more time, they're going to a new home. And guess what? It didn't take them an hour before they bit, you know? And so it's like, they heard that. Okay. We're going, we're getting to the next place now. Not always, of course, you know, it's, it's uniquely individual for each experience, but sometimes just remember that, that they have their, their path that is lined up and sometimes they're supposed to be with another home. And I've seen situations like that happen beautifully where a person was really scared of a dog biting in one situation. Then they went to the new home and stayed in touch with that couple and the dog never bit again. And they had a baby, you know, where they were afraid with their baby, they had a baby and the, the, the dog was fine and they all, you know, had visiting rights. And so you just, you just never know what the situation is supposed to be, but be open and get unattached to one particular outcome. Gosh, wouldn't it be nice if we, we held that, that one virtue that we could more easily get into that place of getting unattached to a specific outcome and trusting that the universe and our animals are gonna show us the path. Yeah, I had that experience with one of my horses who for a long time I was training and I had this belief that I had to train and show and to prove that I was worthy of being a trainer. And, um, and then he got navicular and the vet had taken x-rays and was like, he's really young and this is probably genetic. And, um, seeing the physical x-ray 
really like made it very um like real for me and he wasn't quite lame yet and I remember thinking well no he's like still pretty sound like you know I'm just gonna take it easy with him but I still had it in the back of my head like I'm but I can definitely go show if I can keep him sound and I had my um theta teacher here and she just kind of was playing around and just was doing a session with me and my friend Jen and she looked at me and this is never something that even crossed my mind at the beginning of this journey for me where she was just like, this horse is not here for you to show. Like he has bigger lessons for you. And I was like, uh, okay. In my head, I'm like, well, I've just already spent a lot of money to get him to a place where he can show. And so that's what we're going to do. So I'm glad he's got lessons for me. Cool. Maybe he can teach them to me at the show. <laughs> and so then this navicular thing came up and I will say that he was pretty sound and went super lame before a big trip that we had. And the vet said, we'll have to do a nerve block with him. When you get back, just give him butte. It's not going to make it worse, you know, whatever. And so I put him on the trailer and I've shared the story before. And I just, and, and we got up there and then he wouldn't eat the butte and he would, and I was like, oh, great. Now I've got this horse who's going to be lame. And I'm up here on the, to go on this trail ride. And my friend that was with me and said, maybe he needs you to promise him that you're not going to show him for real. And I was like okay <laughs> but I had to get to the point where I was like honestly I don't care how you're in my life I don't need to go show I just got to the point where I was so broken down and upset about the whole situation and the next morning he was completely sound and has been completely sound and I don't know if that's something that you have experienced when the human makes the full commitment to take the lesson on does the I mean, does the animal receive the healing in that manner? Like, is that something that you've seen? Or did I, I partially always tell that story. I'm like, I might've, I might've imagined the whole thing up. Like maybe he was never actually, <laughs> because I've never had him injected and he's been, you know, there's moments where there's adjustments that need to be made, but since then he's never been that lame. And so I just wanted your input around that situation. Yes, you didn't, you did not imagine it <laughs> okay. at all. <laughs> that that was yeah he's your teacher in that moment he was teaching you every step of the way so don't miss the teachings it sounds like you have not yeah that's so cool I mean I had like a similar experience with Kit because um like you said like I got a diagnosis where the vet was like you know he might be pasture sound but you're never gonna ride him and I was like oh my gosh what that's crazy and I went into a little downward spiral at the time because my ego was huge. And then um, one day I just heard him. He was like, are you going to listen to me and let me tell you how to fix my back? And I was like, okay, how do I do it? And he was like, you need to stop looking at it. Stop looking at it. Stop focusing on where you want to go, what we're going to do. Just hang out with me. Take me hand grazing. Don't look at it. And I, I didn't look at it for months. Like I've never looked at it in the same way again. And he has been back for maybe three times since then. And he's like my main riding horse. Like it's so amazing how they do really feel when we make up our minds, when we make that decision. I, I, I always say that horses are like master decision makers because they will make a decision for themselves or for you. Like if you're procrastinating, they make a decision one way or the other. They don't stay in that, at least in my experience, they don't stay in that limbo mode that humans do where we're kind of bouncing back and forth. It's like they, they really feel it. And so anytime we make those decisions and we call our power back, they're like, yes, you finally caught up. Good job, little human. <laughs> yeah. They're celebrating you in that moment. Yeah. And, and the dogs and cats do that as well. All animals that we get really close to. I mean, they, they, they get very excited when we finally get it. <laughs> and I, I have a little question. Oh, sorry, Amber. Um, if I don't, if I don't ask this, I'll forget it forever. Um, <laughs> I am curious, like your perspective of pain in your, in your work with animals, because I, if I had to say that I specialize in something, I, I can feel things very deeply in my body. So I understand the level of pain, where it is, um, where it's going. Like that's, that's almost like my clearest sense, but I've found that a lot of the pain, especially now through working with Amber, I keep joking with Amber and saying, you ruined my sessions because 
I was happy in my own little bubble where I just thought horses had pain and the vet can go and diagnose it and say, yes, this is what's going on. Let's fix it. And now I realize that there's all these emotions tied to the pain. And if you can clear the emotion, then the pain starts to subside. But what I found is these animals, it's so interesting how they have the capacity to hold an immense amount of pain in their body yet still find pleasure. It's like they find the path of least resistance everywhere they go and they can be so grounded in their lesson for you and carry this pain and yet still be playing and have fun and focus on something else. And I'm just curious, um, your perspective of pain in the animal through your work. I love this, this thought process that you're having around this because um, I think my animals are always teaching me this too. And I've seen it with clients time and time again, that there can be joy with pain. There can be pleasure with pain. As humans, we get so focused on our pain and then we empower it and we give it all of this real estate in our thoughts to continue focusing, you know, constantly on our pain. And when this pain goes away, I'll feel better. And when this pain goes away, I should do this. Or the, when this grief goes away, I can do this. And the animals are still running around. How many times have we had animals that we didn't know had any pain? And all of a sudden the vet comes out and they find some tooth that's probably been, you know, causing them all kinds of issues and everything, but they can still have that ability to detach from the pain and not focus all of their energy and thoughts on the pain. And I think that's a valuable lesson for all of us humans to, to look at and be able to try to integrate that and to give ourselves permission because we get focused on negative things a lot of times because we were modeled that by our parents or by society. You know, you focus on your pain, you focus on your pain and get rid of the pain, then you can be happy. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. And it can dissolve on its own. It's amazing the different ways that we have to be able to release pain without jumping the gun per se and trying something to release it. And, and, and that's more about our belief that we can't be happy until the pain is gone. So these animals are really, we can really emulate their ability to trust the process that their body is an amazing healer and has this capacity to heal itself from most anything, not everything, of course, and having options and, and, you know, guidance and modalities that can help us release it some, you know, more quickly is very valuable, of course. But when they have pain, we do the same thing. We get really focused on it. That's that crazy fix it island I talk about in the book. We just, we want to fix it. We want to fix it. We want to fix it. When they're out of pain, I'm out of pain. And we don't realize consciously that last statement so much, right? We don't realize how much that's empowering our process of when I, when my animal's not in pain, I'm not in pain. Because of course we suffer when we see anyone we love suffer. And that motivates us, you know, that's a fear motivation, you know, to fix it faster. But being able to lean into the natural, you know, our natural capacity to heal first and trust that process is, is a gift that uh, that's, that's worth unwrapping. No, I just think this whole conversation has, has been really cool because um, I, I've just noticed that there's such a shift. And so this podcast is mainly around um, horses and this membership. We're all like, horse women who want to do right by our horses. And there's been such a shift in the equine industry lately, how, you know, people are having more empathy for their animals and we are giving them those choices. And Amber and I talk a lot about how these little things that we can offer them, because there's so many things that we control in their lives. Um, you know, what they eat, when they eat, how they eat, you know, like all these different things. And so if we can offer them, do you want to walk in freely? Do you want to just have a lead rope around your neck? Or do you want the halter? Just these little choices to like empower them. Does anybody have anything that they feel like they're really needing to ask? There's a question. How do you go about tapping into the body's ability to heal itself? What does that process look like? You know, it's, it's, it's about trust. 
It's about trust and faith in our in our own natural innate ability to heal. And animals, certainly animals in nature that live in the wild, boy, do they have this. They know exactly what they need to do. They know exactly what herbs they need to eat, you know, to be able to heal. Um, and so I would say you go about it. First, you start with intention. My intention is to begin to trust my body and to know and believe in its ability to heal itself and also believe and trust my knowing that will come through with that such that I know which actions to take or what things to try or who to call um, and whether or not that's just uh, you meditate and you kind of put your hands on your heart and you begin I always call in my light team you know when I am not sure what I should do and I imagine if you believe in okay I'm going woohoo on everybody again so we have this beautiful light team these beings of light on the other side that are natural healers if there were ever natural healers and and I always call them in and I imagine like the wheels on uh, you know spokes on a wheel where I have heart connections with each one of them and then I just close my eyes and sink into that beautiful connection. And I ask for guidance and healing and love to come through so that I have clarity around what it is that will be the next best steps for me. And then trusting things like the beautiful, you know, healing that we get from Mother Earth or the beautiful, gosh, I mean, vitamin D from the sun. I mean, that you have no idea how healing vitamin D is actually a hormone and it can bring us so much healing. And this is what Native Americans knew. You know, this is what people who lived on the land knew is that there are these natural abilities to heal uh, ourselves. And so I think it just starts with intention. And then anytime you catch your thoughts going kind of in a human 3D way, and you're kind of going down that, you know, crazy fix it island of, oh my gosh, I need to fix this right away. Just pull back your energy. Just make a real conscious intent to go, okay, I'm going to detach from the outcome and just ask for it to come. Like what I was talking about earlier with your animals of knowing the right time for them, just trying to let go of a specific outcome and just take a breath. And sometimes that means distracting yourself with something different so you're not thinking about it. Go watch a funny show or go watch, you know, read a good book or something that gets you out of your head around it. And then all of a sudden you might notice something coming in. Oh, I think I should call so-and-so or I think I'll do this, you know. And so it's just, it's a process. It's a process of self-love and self-trust. And knowing that you have these beautiful beings of light that are around you and they're trying to help you every step of the way as well and give you guidance. Don't miss that connection. Don't miss that relationship because it is pivotal to having an easier go of things here. I hope that's helpful, Marsha. So, so good. This has been very fun. We're coming into an hour. Does anybody have any more questions? It looks like we're good in the chat box. Shaylee, how are you feeling? Anything popped um, up? No, I'm feeling good. I, I still don't remember what I was going <laughs> to ask initially, but I do remember that I was talking about us being horse girls and it, rem well, I guess maybe this is what I was going to talk about. Um, at how animals, especially horses, you know, they live in community and they have this strong sense of community. And it's so cool how, um, how they can bring us together like this and how you can find like, um, like my friend Donna that I was talking to you about before I met her through a post on Facebook about bad hay. Her horses didn't like the hay. She posted on Facebook. This hay is terrible. I see a million posts on Facebook yet. I somehow aligned with that post, asked her about it, and we became best friends. <laughs> and my horse has brought so many people into my life. It's like so amazing how sometimes their role is, is like, you know, we're talking about horses, maybe not wanting to be ridden, or maybe that's not their path. And they're, you know, leading you to this vet to this. And that's kind of what happened to me as I got led to 
a vet, which led me to this osteopath, which led me to, you know, this whole community that I have now. Um, and I think that is like one of their biggest gifts of all is giving us that sense of community and bringing us together, especially horses. I love that insight. Yes, that would make sense. That would make complete sense. And I love that you were awake to, to see the gifts in that manner. I know. And then I got to meet Shaylee. I know we get this amazing <laughs> podcast that we're going to grow and grow and grow. Don't you love when you can see all the connect the dots things, like things are coming out of the matrix and, and all people <laughs> are connecting that, uh, that didn't know each other before that animals are bringing us together. Tell us a little bit about anything that you've got going. I know that you said you have a program coming up. Um, I want to share a little bit about what you have. Yes, yes. Well, I have, um, I mentioned earlier that I have master classes based on the contents of each book. And the, for the first book, the one that all of you read, Soul Healing with Our Animal Companions, there's that chapter five in there that I talk about the five core emotional wounds. Well, that's really at the heart of many if not all of your animal relationships. And so I have a masterclass that begins on July 13th. It's a three Thursday night class if you're in the U.S. Um, it starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. And, uh, and we go over these five core emotional wounds, but it's not just about the animal. It's about you too. So I'm going to be teaching all about what are, and, and for working with your clients, because it's a completely different approach that you're going to have with your client that has betrayal in their background or if they have invasiveness in their background. The approach is completely different. I talk about all of these things because you already know that if you have, you know, a client that says that their animal is a reactor, that they probably both have betrayal. So that's your indication. So I kind of go over and take this really deep dive into these five core emotional wounds. And I wanted to offer, um, all of you that are attending this or in this community, I should say, that would like to attend to give you a special deal that you can't tell anybody about. <laughs> can't tell anybody about, but if you, um, but if you remind me in your application, if you decide to move forward, certainly you can reach out if you have any questions that, uh, that you came from this community, uh, then you can get $80 off, which takes it down to, I think it's regular 290 or 275. So that takes it down to 195. And then I have, of course, the other masterclass courses that are, you know, on animal way showers and on animal soul contracts, just wrapped one of those. So I'll be not doing another one till like January or February of next year. So it would be wonderful to have you on the ride. My intention is always that I can offer up anything that I've learned that can help all of you have an easier go of things and your animals. So this is a way to, to learn more about yourself and your animals and your clients. So fun. Yeah. Um, and then you guys, if you haven't, <laughs> If you haven't read the Soul Contracts book yet, you should do that. <laughs> I was telling Shaylee and Tammy before we got on here that I was I drove to Idaho not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and I had finished this book and was like listening to podcasts. And I was like, oh, I remember Shaylee talking about the Soul Contracts. And I had started a podcast previously before ours, and I continued to ask people because I learned about it in Theta. I was like, I would ask my guests, like, like, what do you think about soul contracts? And everybody would be like, ah. And then, so when I realized that you had a book and I was like, yes, I started this book, you guys. And I cried for like the first hour and a half. And I texted Shaylee, like, I just have to shut the book off because I like can't anymore. Like I, I got nothing left and not because it was sad, but because there was just like this deep knowing and this deep, like healing that was coming just from hearing those stories. So you guys should probably get that one too. <laughs> it was a really good one. And then you can take the masterclass around it after. <laughs> oh, thank you, Amber. I appreciate that. Sorry yeah. for the tears, but tears are, tears are good releases. No, I, I always, I'm, I'm people will come into sessions and I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I crying? I'm like, because I'm here to be your emotion plumber. So I always find that like, I get fairly satisfied when people start crying. Cause I'm like, because I do know. So it was really good to have, to be able to receive that, you know, just from an audio book, like so good, so much medicine in that book. Um, yes. Tears of validation. So good. So 
if people want to find more about you, do you have a website, social media? What do you, what is the best way yeah. to put all of your things? Yeah, well, the books are available on all the major book sites, of course, all three of them. And, and then um, everything else is on TammyBillips.com. Yeah, from from because I do obviously uh, healing sessions as well. I do tandem healing sessions because this is what I have found can bring about more sustainable results for your self and your animals when I connect to both at the same time to heal, you know, whatever the contracts that you two came together to, to work on, that those can be worked on simultaneously. And, uh, and I offer obviously animal and people individual sessions as well, but everything is on TammyBelts.com and you can schedule from that point too. Cool. Thank you so much. It was so fun hanging out with you. It was a blast. I could do this all day long. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to Thank do your, you second, your second book and then we'll have to go diving into soul contracts <laughs> with you for the next one. <laughs> Wonderful. I'd love that. Thank you both. Oh. All right, everyone. Have a great night.